0: Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Publitz and welcome back to the second Sunday of Lent for the week of March 13th, 2022. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast. And I'm excited, again, that we're still in the season of Lent. We're still in the season of reflection. We are really just getting going and starting to kick this whole thing off. And to me, it's exciting. It's exhilarating. It's the time of reflection I find really sombering in a lot of ways, but in a good way. Being able to reflect and slow down for a moment and really focus in on something, really be able to contemplate and think about what we're doing. I know for me, I figured out my little Lenten practice that I'm working on and going through, and I've even missed a day already, but I've been trying to work on it and trying to move through it and realizing that there's parts of it that are difficult, parts of it that are getting easier. But realizing that that's part of this whole process, part of this idea of putting myself in a place to be able to continue working on something and kind of being intentional with something and thinking about it from the perspective of like what Christ did for us. And it ties decently well into the question I had for last week is how are you willing to be, how uncomfortable are you willing to get for humanity, for the earth and for the world? Lent is an uncomfortable season. Lent is this time where we should be putting ourselves in positions where maybe we don't want to do it. Maybe we don't feel energized by what we're trying to do, but we try doing it anyway. And that's part of this process of Lent, of putting ourselves in these positions to potentially have a difficult time with, to wrestle with, to Uh, feel that angst that we have within us, and I think it's a good thing to be, a good place to be, and it's part of the human experience that in a lot of ways is weird, but in a lot of ways is a good thing for us to do because we recognize that there's something so much bigger and greater than ourselves. So let's just jump into it. The first reading this week, the Old Testament text is out of Genesis chapter 15 verses 1 to 12 and 17 and 18. This is the promise that we get from God to Abram. This is before he changes his name to Abraham, that Abram is having this discussion and talking about these generations and who's going to be coming after him and God promises him his own son as Abram is complaining about not having a descendant but having an heir with a concubine, a slave. And he promises, no, that there's going to be an heir and takes him outside and has him count the stars if he can. And that will be the generations. And this is where we also then get a sacrifice. But I think it's also the process of how God even starts bringing this up is even in verse seven here, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldees to give you the land to possess. And that God had been out in front of him and that God had continued to do this. And yet when God then is staying that there is going to be descendants greater than, to go in verse 18, to your descendants I give you this land from the Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. That this idea of God is in front of us and is expanding out further than we can even recognize. The psalm this week is Psalm 27, 14 verses in this one. And again, this is the idea of God being the light, the salvation as it states in verse one, but that in that, that gives us a stronghold to hold on to that God then is in front of us and is being the shield and is protecting us and is trying to take care of us as long as we continue to lean in and look for God. And as long as we are communicating with God and working on that communication, that this is where then we can start Feeling that and seeing that, teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on this level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have arisen up against me and are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This Idea of how God is leading us. And as long as we continue to lean into that, God will continue to show up. The New Testament text is out of Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to chapter 4, verse 1. This is when Paul is in prison and is writing and talking about, and it starts here, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me. And Paul then is reiterates here further that he's trying to emulate Christ and not being distorted or being taken off the path based on what the world is saying but that because of our citizenship in heaven and it is from there we are expecting a savior the lord jesus christ he will transform the body of our humiliation that we may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that enables him to make all things subjective to him therefore brothers and sisters Whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. This idea of that we're continuing to follow and lean into Christ and that as we're imitating Christ, as we're following that way, it allows us to become more like Christ. So, we have two different gospel texts that we can have. I'm going to definitely focus in on one more than the other, and you'll understand more here in just a moment. So, the first gospel text then is Luke chapter 13 verses 31 to 35. The Pharisees come to Jesus and is warning him that Herod wants to kill him, and Jesus responds in verse 35, go and tell that Pharisee, fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow and on the third day I will finish my work. Yet today and tomorrow and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that city that kills prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. That's verse 32 through 35. So kind of a Bold statement we get here from Jesus, especially comparing Herod and you can argue even the Pharisees into the fox category and then talking about Jerusalem as chickens, especially little chicks. And so we'll dig into that a little bit more here in a moment. The other gospel text is one that we had and the Transfiguration, Luke chapter 9 verses 28 to 36 and optionally 37 to 43a. This is that same story where you have Peter, James, and John go up the mountain to pray. They see Moses and Elijah with them. Peter then wants to build the dwellings. And then the cloud comes over and they're terrified. The cloud says, this is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. When the cloud passes, Jesus is found alone. They come down the mountain and then they have this... Man who is begging for his son to have this demon taken out of him and after his disciples have not been able to do that. Jesus responds in verse 41, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring the son here. And then goes through and heals him and the crowd is astonished at the greatness of God. If it does sound familiar, we had it about a month ago, so it's a fairly familiar text. And so we'll focus a little bit more on the other Luke text this week. But before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their sermon brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, their Working Preacher podcast has four different seminary professors, and it helps give me, since I'm not an ordained minister, some direction to bring you this podcast week after week. I also really enjoy having multiple different commentaries over there, and a lot of other discussions and different things, along with a huge back catalog of over ten years. So if one commentary isn't speaking to you, maybe one from another year will. So if you haven't checked out Working preacher.org, I'd highly recommend that. The second thing that I'd highly recommend is checking out the revised common lectionary coming from the library at vanderbilt.edu. I really like how they lay out the text each week. It's really helpful for me, especially as I'm doing this podcast. But one of the key features that really sets this apart is the art that they have. Having the art there, being able to look throughout time, throughout different communities, throughout the different parts of the world, it's really helpful for me to be able to see that and think about it and see how other people have interpreted these texts. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the library at Vanderbilt.edu, I'd highly Recommend that also. We have a few things that we need to kind of clear up, and then we'll get into kind of the science because it's kind of literally given to us that I feel like we have to really talk about. But one of the things that really struck me this week as we were looking at these texts is here is God getting ahead of Abram and stating that, yes, I have a plan. Yes, there is a promise. Yes, it is not just going to be your offspring from your slave. Is going to be the air that I have for you. I already have a plan here. There is something greater than you realize that I have brought up to you. And especially as we see into verse 5 look toward the heavens, count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. This idea of how God already has a plan, it's just that we're not there yet. God is out ahead in front of us. And it plays really well into the psalm and the second reading or the New Testament text out of Philippians. Where God is this protector, God is this one who we're trying to emulate. But yet we are still under the wings, per se, as we're peaking the gospel of the hen, we're still under the watchful eye of God that He's trying to make sure and protect us as we are going through life, as we are going through the rough parts of life and the things that we may not even see where God is in front of us, paving away. So as I kind of stated, we talked about this other gospel text a few weeks ago. I'll attach a link down below to when I talk a little bit more fully on that. But I feel like this Luke text, the chapter 13, especially jumping from last week, we're in chapter four and the temptation of Jesus to where now we're at. Verse 13, a lot has happened as we are moving toward Jerusalem slowly, but surely. But why is Jesus comparing the Pharisees and King Herod to a fox? And the argument that I would have is that the fox, with its personality and the little behavioral knowledge that we actually know about foxes, I'll bring that up here in a few moments, that it's a fox has to be predictive. A fox has to predict. It has to go off path. It has to be ahead of wherever its prey is. And it needs not be seen. It needs to be a loner as much as it can. So that it can be able to help it survive. It has to be ahead of whatever it's trying to prey upon. Jesus in all these other texts is talking about how God is ahead of us. And it's not our role for us to get ahead of God. So let's dig into this a little bit further. Foxes, as I was trying to dig into the behavioral research that has been done, there hasn't been a lot. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One, most of the time, they're fearful of man. And the reason that is, is because they're hunted in many places. So the one paper that I did find, and I'll attach in the show notes, is that in Australia, which is not a native range for them. That's a range that they have been welcomed into. And this is looking at the red fox in particular, which is probably the most successful species-wise spread over the world species of fox. There's about a handful of about five species from what I was seeing that potentially the people of the Middle Eastern region of where Jesus was at would have been familiar with, but Red Fox is probably the one that they're probably referencing. But it was talking about in Australia where they're not hunted, they have to be in this confident state instead of a cautious state as they're making territories for over dingoes, which is essentially kind of a dog-like creature that is out in the Australian outback. But yet, They're a fairly solitary animal. There's a brief period of time where they're denning up with their young, but from what we can tell that, yes, there is some social communication potentially with other foxes or other animals that are similar to them, especially that both foxes and dingoes are in the canis family, which is the dog family even though foxes act a little bit more cat-like, they are closer related to dogs, that they are more of a solitary animal. And thus it makes it harder for us to really be able to study the behaviors without them getting accustomed to seeing us. And we know foxes are significantly a very large creature. And I'll even attach some links down below. There has been some attempts recently to domesticate foxes coming out of Russia over the last 60 years. They found a few different things as they're trying to find the friendly genes. And they talk about, though, how it's still very much in process. Yes, they've become a little more friendly, but they don't have the Empathy that a typical dog would have for human emotion. So it's one of the things that's still being bred in, if you want to put it that way. But they even talked about in the 60 years of them trying to breed this friendliness in foxes that the skulls have changes, the ears have changes where they become more floppy, and the coloration has even changed in that. But what we can know about foxes is that they're a little bit more of an independent predator. And especially as being a predator, you like we talked about, they have to be ahead. They have to be thinking ahead. They have to be out ahead of whatever they're preying upon. Now, he compares Jerusalem and wanting Jerusalem to be like a hen or a female chicken to protect the young. What then is Jesus referencing? And I'll attach again two different articles down below. There's been studies talking about how the maternal care helps them with taking care of their feathers, behavioral consequences, welfare impressions, and how if they aren't around their mother, they don't know how to really become a chicken. They really don't know how to take care of themselves. And one of the big things that they worry about are some different cognitive diseases, especially with pecking at their own feathers, that they won't know to stop if they aren't taught that from their mother. And the reason that we know this is from the commercial chicken industry and how we're not allowing chickens to go through the more traditional fashion of how they were raised. And when we're trying to do commercial farming that these chicks are not as healthy. They're not mentally in as good of a state because of not having that impression of a mother around them to help them understand and learn, but also to defend. And especially chickens, I'll attach some videos down below. Chickens are incredibly tough, especially mothers with their young. Now, just like individuals, there are some chickens that are more aggressive than others. I've talked to a couple different people who have been raised on farms who have had chickens and talking about how it's very much individual to individual, but there are some others who are highly defensive of their eggs to the point where there are people who have scars from peck bills of hitting their hand as they are trying to collect the eggs for market, if you want to put it that way. But the other part too is I'll attach also a video down below of, again, a female chicken taking out a goshawk to essentially protect the young that this hawk could have potentially posed a risk a danger and yet this chicken then is willing to put its life on the line to risk it for the young so how does this all tie back to where jesus is going and even into what these other texts are talking about jesus is referencing how these Pharisees and Herod are essentially ahead of where Jesus is at. And if you even look at how we're talking, especially being on this side of the cross, we understand a little bit more probably what Jesus is referencing, where he's talking about today, tomorrow, and the third day. We recognize that it's probably talking about the crucifixion. But also talking about how look at what I'm doing. I'm on my way, and I'm not there yet. I'm not to Jerusalem yet. I'm not at that point Yet, And then that's where he talks about gathering the brood, which would be the chicks of a hen under the wings to protect, to make sure that something isn't coming in from above, to protect them from the rain, to protect them from dust storms and different things as best as that chicken can. It's trying to teach them the way of what God looks like. Jesus is referencing that following that mother hen, we are better able to learn what love looks like. We are better able to empathize with that. We are better able to see and recognize what that means than if we're a fox, where that maternal care just to get them to the age, but then they have to go off the path. They have to go off into places to make it so they aren't on the traditional path. They're trying to be just off the worn path. They're trying to be sly. That's how they are going to survive. But that's not what Jesus is trying to call us into. Our own independence in this form, in this fashion, hurts us. God understands that we have this independence, but he also talks about us trying to give up our free will so that we can better work together, so that we can come together to work better together so that we can better empathize with our neighbors. Because if everybody is under those wings together, it helps us better understand that we are all in this together. And even looking at the other gospel text, when like we talked about the last time that this was up, the fear, the fear, if you look at what the fox is doing, why does the fox have to be ahead? Because the fear is, is that If I'm not out ahead, how am I going to hunt? How am I going to feed my den? How am I going to take care of myself? I have to be ahead. I have to be sly. I have to be cunning. I have to think ahead. I have to be ahead. But doesn't that go in contradiction to everything that we are seeing in these other texts? The Philippians, the Psalm, and the Genesis text this week? Of God being like, I have this. I've taken care of this. I have this under control. Instead of you trying to be ahead of where I am, trust me, I'm there and further ahead of you. Quit trying to surprise me with something. I already have it covered and I'm covering you with that. I know where we're gonna need to go, how we're going to need to be protected so that you can feed too. It's that trust that a chick has to have for that maternal care, right? That we're so accustomed to with seeing it in animals, but when it comes to our relationship with God, we wrestle with understanding that God has things under control and us being okay with that and us being to this point, we are willing to just lean into that willing to understand that we don't need to be like a fox and try being ahead of where God is. God's already way in front of where we are. God has way more information than we do from our narrow perspective, our singular life, where God's seeing things at a much broader scope than what we can see. And that doesn't even include the history that God has compared to our history. Foxes are keen and sly and have to do that to survive. But God is calling us and saying, you don't need to do that. I've already taken care of that. And essentially that Here, Jesus is doing the final step, is leading toward Calvary to really have us covered. To be able to walk in the mother's footsteps and learn how to be a chick. A productive chick. A chick that is going to be healthy in mind, spirit, and body. Compared to a chick that isn't raised with a mother hen. Compared to a fox where at some point they kick them out of the den and they just have to learn how to do it on their own. We have a God that is trying to care for us, but we have to be willing to be under those wings. We have to be willing and able to understand that there's going to be things that we're going to want those answers. We're wanting to be out ahead and where God's like, eh, I got it covered. Just stay under the wings. Just stay there and you'll be okay. Trust me. I got some goshawks. hawks. I got some attacks. I got some rain here. I'm trying to take care of you. Now eat some feed as you're underneath my wings. How resistant we are At times to that because we want to be out ahead of God and God what about this have you thought about this yeah I have I have taken care of that I know I have a plan way more in-depth and complicated than you can understand at this time just trust me I have you covered you are under my wings quit trying to jet out and just be willing to be under my wings I think it tells a lot about the character, not only of Herod and the Pharisees, but I think the character of us. When we are in a safe, controlled place, how often we, God, well, what about this? What about that? God, I'm 30 and I'm thinking about right now, do I have enough or am I on the right path to make sure that I have enough when I'm 75? God's saying, haven't I provided enough for you for those first 30 years? Why do you need to be out ahead of me? Yes, there's things that I can teach you to help prepare you so that you will be okay, but you're not there yet and you don't need to spend your time dwelling there, waiting for that time to pounce, to make sure that you don't miss that prey that's running by. Trust me, I have a better plan that it's going to be a lot easier. It's hard being under those wings, isn't it? It's hard being in that spot where we have to allow ourselves the possibility of whatever God is doing and let God do what God does and trust that God is protecting, trust that God is there and trust that we can lean in a little bit more for God being protection. And I think it's it's the fine line of making sure we're not arrogant And just God's going to take care of it and not do any preparation. I don't think that's the case because a chicken still follows the hen and notices what the hen is doing and tries to learn to emulate, but also not getting to the point where we're so confident in ourselves that, well, I'll just run out. And when that opportunity comes, I'm going to pounce on it and we'll be good. It's a fine line. So the question I have for you this week is, how well are you doing at leaning into giving up free will? How well are you doing into leaning into giving up free will? Because I think it's it's a practice that we're all trying to work on, especially during Lent, and it's difficult. I like thinking about these texts like a bicycle. And as you watch people who are really good on cycling, that they lean into those corners and it looks like they're at impossible levels where they're just off the ground. But they've spent enough time to know that you have to lean in and then they can turn tighter and as long as they are at the right balancing point they'll be just fine and sure they may stumble and fall a few times as they're learning that but at some point they're going to get it i think that's the process that us as christians need to continue to work on is leaning into that because there's this point where you are just trusting the sense of balance The grip on the road, the centristical force of the bike moving forward, there's so many factors that you have to take into consideration as you're turning that corner. But the more we keep working that corner, the more we end up trusting and learning to slowly lean more, slowly lean more, slowly lean more, and what does that mean? We take that corner faster and faster and faster. We're able to keep going quickly and not have to break into the corner as much. The fox is trying to break and say stop and wait and let me ponder this let me wait for that opportunity the hen says no the stuff is coming and i'm just going to protect you and we're going to keep walking i think that's a big difference that we have to be willing and able to do and we have to even remember it as like we're looking at the text in philippians that paul is writing this from prison but yet it's still about following it's still about taking those steps forward it's still trusting and learning from the hen. Are we doing that? Are we trying to predict the time, predict the place, predict so that we can feed instead of, so that we as an individual can feed instead of we as a community can feed. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.